This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast with Kendall Kalt. Uh, we're we're going to put this into Wingspan Wednesday's um, article, so we'll get a double dose. They can read the article, but they can also listen to Kendall and Ashley opine about Baylor basketball. Uh, Kendall, it's been a while since we've done these, and uh, it's good to have you back on the podcast. How are you doing? Uh, doing pretty well, actually. I'm excited to be on and to talk about uh, basketball, and if we have to, talk about football. <laughs> well, a lot's changed in your life since we talked last. I mean, we were kind of bemoaning uh, some of your relationship struggles. Uh, you're very self-deprecating, but it looks like everything's going really well on that front. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, very fair assessment, Ashley. And since uh, I don't think she will listen to this, but nobody passed it off, I, I think I'm going to get in- <laughs> I'm planning to get engaged in December. Oh. Um, so if you don't see me at one of Baylor's various games, you're like, well, you know, did second 365 fire Kendall? Possibly, <laughs> but hopefully not on that date. So if I'm not covering one of Baylor's big games in December, no, I am trying to get engaged that day. If I don't get engaged, we'll have self-deprecating jokes about that, possibly uh, searches for various jobs. Um, so we'll be ready to go. <laughs> well, very encouraging. I, I, I know I've been following you on social media, and you guys look very happy, so I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, let's let's turn to football before we get started on a more optimistic topic. I I, I know you tweeted some things about uh, your feelings on uh, you know the season ahead and and how important and critical this season is. Um, you know I think we're all in agreement that that was a a pretty big debacle that we witnessed on Saturday and uh, gives us a lot of reason for concern, especially when you couple it with how they finished the season last year. Uh, so what's your thoughts on? what needs to take place um, for, for the rest of the season to give Baylor fans hope. Yep. So I'll give a little bit of a preface to this, Ashley, which I think you probably agree with most of what I'm going to say on the preface, but I never want to force anybody to co-sign a statement I make because they say, you know, in the office, once I start talking, I'm not sure where it's going to end. But I will say, I like Dave Aranda. Um, I used to cover Baylor football a lot more. I'm happy to not cover both, both because the team's struggling. And if you get more relationshiped up or have more with life, it's really tough to cover two sports um, full-time and have a full-time job so on the side. So happy to not have to do that, but I like Dave Aranda a lot. What I will say is I don't think anybody from Baylor is a bad fan, a bad alumni, a bad message board poster, although there are bad people in all three categories sometimes, although we love our subscribers. If you were wondering, hey, is this going to be the end of the road for Dave Aranda? It's too early to say it's definitely going to happen. He could turn it around and win seven or eight games, but I don't think it's crazy to wonder. What I tweeted out, what I kind of think about this is, it's not crazy to think about Dave Aranda's fired Larry Fedora, who I'm sure is a great man and loves his family. He fired Ron Roberts, who I'm sure is a great man, and loves his family. And so if it, eventually that comes for Dave Aranda, it will be sad. He did a great job for Baylor winning the Big 12. But my big concern with Baylor football and what's got me a little bit concerned on that front is just all the things that are cool about Dave Aranda. Once it starts going bad, you just worry to see have the kind of gung-ho, fire you up, talk you out of things for a week or two, like maybe Matt Rule could now. If you gave Matt Rule and Dave Aranda uh, a task and said, hey, I want you to read this book and write an essay on it, I have no <laughs> doubt Dave Aranda would write a much better essay on it. In fact, I have uh, you know, no doubt in my mind that Dave Aranda would not feel that God had called him in the middle of that essay to take another job. So that's also a nice thing about Dave Aranda compared to Matt Rule. Yeah. Um, and so I like that. I think for Baylor football, I think they need to get to six or seven wins for this to come back. I just don't know how if you win five games after having one of your losses be Texas State. It's real hard to turn around. And I got into it a little bit with Matt Mosley, who I, you know, I, I've always gotten along with in person, and it's just a Twitter beef a little bit. Right. I really have circled that Texas game. I think if Baylor has only beat Long Island, and is it Long Island Baylor plays Ashley? Yes, next week. Yes. Okay. See, that's that's how irrelevant that game is, right? If Baylor has only beaten Long Island 
And then the final game ever against Texas, Baylor gets blown out. I know Mac may not want to make a change, but that's the one I really worry about. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Dave Aranda's a really nice guy. He's always been nice when I've gone to press conferences. Uh, when I talk to John Warner or Jerry Hill um, or Travis or some of the guys who cover Baylor football a lot more than me, they all really love Dave Aranda. But I like to try and say I give honest appraisal, and it's easier for me when I don't have to cover a team day in and day out to take a step back and look at it. And I'm just very afraid this isn't going to get turned around and Baylor's going to have another head coach in search in December. That could be too dour for some people. That could be down, you know. Have faith, keep the faith, but I just I, I don't see it, Ashley. That's where I am on that. Yeah, well, certainly if um, he has a losing season this year, then that's uh, three losing seasons out of four. That's that's not a good sign. Um, I I'm probably in the opposite camp of you. I I think uh, there's there's probably like almost twelve million dollars to buy out the entire staff. Uh, you know, I know, you know, it's easy to t- say with other people's money <laughs> what how they should spend it. Hey, just get an alum to pay for that. Um, but uh, I, I do think he's going to get this year and next year, and I think he deserves it. I, th- I think that um, he's, you know, extremely bright mind. I don't think anyone would argue with that. His integrity is off the charts. He 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 was the captain of the ship for the best Baylor team in school history. I know people will uh, debate that whether it was, but and I mean, you look at what they put on paper and the number of wins they had against quality opponents. That that was the best team in school history. Uh, so we know he's capable of doing that, you know, and, and being a championship-level coach. I just think um, this NIL, transfer portal, you know, these things, he's just behind the curve on that, and I think he will catch up. I, I, I think it's almost a similar situation, although uh, Scott Drew had earned, you know, probably a little bit more leeway at the time. You know, you, you probably remember the season where uh, Scott Drew started conference playoff, I think it was 2014, you know, like two and eight or something like that. And yep, you're right, um, exactly right. yeah, made the tournament and I'm going to sweet 16. I, I, I feel like it's kind of that moment. Like, you know, it could go either way. I mean, these this could go off the rails, uh, but I just believe in him as a person. I believe in, you know, he's younger, he's a younger coach. He's high integrity. I remember um, one of my friends told me this story, a former coach uh, that knew the coaching um, landscape really well when when Baylor was hiring Dave Aranda and Joey McGuire was being considered, uh, this former coach, this is one man's opinion, I'm not trying to cite Joey McGuire, but he just said, Dave is the type of coach that will sustain, build and sustain a program and do it for excellence for, for decades if, if you, you know, if it's a good marriage. Uh, he's just so intelligent. He's, he's such a, a growth-minded guy. He's always learning. He's always, like, improving. And he's one of the most brilliant minds in football. Uh, so his upside is, you know, you can uh, build a program, win championships, and win them consistently. Uh, he said, you know, Joey's just a raw rock guy. <laughs> that, was his, that was his comment. Uh, he, he didn't think he had what it took to get to a championship-level program and sustain it. And this is a guy that's, you know, coached, you know, was a head coach at lots of different schools and, had, you know, had really well acquainted with both guys. So, so I say all that to say that, you know, I, I do think that um, – it would be foolish to, you know, change horses prematurely, but you know, you got to see how the season plays out. You certainly want to see progress. You want to see fight. You don't want to see a repeat of what we saw Saturday. So, I think uh, we've kind of let our feelings be known on that. Um, For sure. And Ashley, you want to hear about Small World? Yeah. Speaking of Joey McGuire, the tight end who caught the game-winning touchdown against Texas Tech on Saturday. It was a beautiful I met play. With his father for about half an hour today because he's a defense attorney in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was going all over the play, you know, oh, you know, he should have been recruited. He had all these great times. He didn't play football. And so you want to talk about small world, having the father of the son who beat Texas Tech. I got to experience 
So in a way, I think they beat Texas Tech. Yeah, they were up seventeen to nothing in that game, weren't they? Uh, I think I think Tech was up seventeen nothing at one point. That's Never a, count out Wyoming. <laughs> that's a brutal loss. Um, we have our own losses to, that were brutal uh, for for the Baylor Bear fans too. So I will say, you know, one thing I really appreciate about Aranda is just his humility. Um, have you ever seen the Truman Show, by chance? The Jim Carrey movie. Yes. You know, this came up like two weeks ago, and I have not actually seen it all the way through. A roommate of mine had it on in the background, and he was trying to hit on some woman, and I, I let him have his time, so I didn't get to see it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the the premise is that you know Jim Carrey's life is is being recorded all the time, and you know I, I kind of feel like there's maybe some coaches um, that have that same kind of vibe, like. Um, you know, I, it's interesting how much footage just keeps surfacing on Deion Sanders. You know, it's it's like, you know, every every moment of every day is captured. And and uh, there may be a coach in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, on the basketball front that has a little bit of that in him too. I mean, it's it's good, you know, to like, you know, I guess get ahead of the PR game. But I, I do appreciate that about Dave. He's so uh, humble and just, you know, really about the right things. And I, I do think over time that type of philosophy has more staying power. Similar, similar think, to our guy, Scott Drew, you know. Yep, and actually it's one of those deals, too, where you know a ton of people in the athletic department. Uh, I know several people in the athletic department that, as well, will speak freely to me and kind of off the record or off the cuff. Um, they were not always so positive about what it was like to experience working with a previous Baylor football coach right? Uh, who wears red a lot on Saturdays. Uh, yeah. I've uh, never heard anyone say they don't love working with Dave Aranda. Right. Um, in fact, I've even heard them say, if anything, sometimes we feel like, and this isn't no matter it's negative, but just like he's so nice, he's so considerate of other people's emotions. Uh, but it's very different to work for him. And so that's when I say, look, if it's not working on the football field, he's paid millions of dollars to do it. I get you got to let him go. But it will not be a day that I'm going to be like, wow, thank God Dave Aranda's fired um, if he goes. And that's kind of why I think it's like, listen, it's sadder with him than it would be with some other people that Taylor has had to yeah. get rid of in the past who've won very few football games, but if he doesn't win on the field, it's going to have to happen someday, but we both hope it does not happen that way. I'm just very worried about it. Well, I believe in him. I think he's going to get it right. And I think like Scott drew his competitive uh, fire is, is underrated. He, he, he comes across, you know, as super nice and, and uh, you know, stoic, but I think he has a lot more competitive fire than people realize. And, and uh, I think that's going to show through the rest of the year. So I'm, I'm rooting for a good result. Okay, let's talk about basketball. Um, I, I'm going to make the argument to you that we are better at every single position than last year. Do you buy or sell that comment that I just made? Um, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> All right, here I'm going to go position by position, and, and, sure. and we're going to talk about it and why I think you know why I think the way I do. All right, let's start with the point guard position. Would you agree with this statement that Adam Flagler is a better college basketball player than Ray J. Dennis? We probably would. we probably would want we probably would want Adam yeah we probably would want Adam over Ray J as just a college basketball player not let's let's not plug him into a position and I love Ray J don't get me wrong but I'm just saying as talented as Adam was he was a proven winner you know he had um, been responsible for winning two Big Twelve championships you know a huge role in the national championship team cold blooded shooter you know all those things you know we we know we know what he brings to the table but would you also agree that as a point guard, you would much rather have Ray J. Dennis as a point guard than Adam Flagler. So that's the one where I think there's some debate for me, and I'm going to disagree for right now. Ray J. could be better. I just think Adam was super underrated. 
I think with um, some of the chemistry issues we've heard a little bit more about that I'm not going to go too much in depth about um, for guys that, you know, are still in their 20s. I think that was a very tough role for Adam to have, but how good he was against UCLA, basically single he did beating Gonzaga in a state that is not, maybe not my favorite place to be in. <laughs> and then just how good he was for years. I think I would still rather have Adam Flagler than anybody else. But Ray J could be a very, very good point guard, but that's the one position that I'm just like, that's the one where I'm still going to, until I, I need to see Ray J prove it at a higher level before I would put him above Adam right now. Yeah. I mean, what I've seen, and, you know, you're in Kansas City, I'm, I'm in DFW, so I've, I've probably had a little bit more exposure. Watching a few practices, sure. I watched them against the Vets, and that was, you know, what sent me over the edge to make all these ludicrous statements that I'm making. I mean, you're, you're playing against a team of Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Ish Wainwright, Corey Jefferson, Perry Jones, Freddie Gillespie, Lace Dunn, King McClure, uh, Terrence Thomas played a little bit, but mainly the guys that I just mentioned. I, I, you know, on paper, like, I think our whole coaching staff expected the vets to totally crush. <laughs> I mean, you got four NBA players. You got, you know, that team that I just mentioned is probably going to win an NCAA championship if they practice together. Uh, is, is that a fair statement to make, especially given sure, their age? Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, the fact that our players, you know, won three out of four games against them and, and one of the scrimmages they beat them by 25 is just super impressive. And I think a big reason why is Ray J. I mean, he's just tough. Like, he's a tough kid. He's a better defender than I thought. But I, but I think what really impressed me was he's a connector. Um, Adam's just a quieter guy, you know, a lead-by-example type guy. Ray J's more vocal. He's, a, he's you know, more of a connector. And I, I think his uh, court vision is elite. I mean, Baylor fans, <laughs> you, you have not seen a guy read a, a, a screen and be able to, you know, look off defenders. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, you know, he did this um, when in the vet scrimmage, but he, you know, he go across the screen and he, you know, Davy. I mean, you got Davy on him or Jared. You know, a great defender, and um, he had 14 assists and one turnover in those scrimmages. That's mind-boggling. He's Davion Mitchell's g covering him a lot of the time. I mean, one of the best defenders in basketball. So you know, he he, he reads the ball screen. And, you know, instead, like he, he basically is watching the roller the whole time, whether it's uh, Jonathan or Eve or, or Josh. And, you know, but he's, he sees like the shooter in the corner, you know, Jalen Bridges or Jacoby. So basically his eyes are on the roller the whole time. And then he just fires a perfect pass right in the shooting pocket, you know, to either Jacoby Walter or Jalen Bridges for a wide open three. I think there's like there was things like that that happened in you know the, that vet scrimmage, and against uh, the teams in France, that made me say, okay, I, I understand why Toledo. I understand why he was the MAC Player of the Year, and I understand why Toledo was top five in three point efficiency and top five in offensive efficiency. He's just so good at setting up other you know teammates and. You just have to see it to, to know what I'm talking about. But but his ability to look off defenders and make the right basketball play and, and almost never turn it over is just special. And and so I think for that reason, uh, he's a better point guard than Adam Flagler. Yeah, it's a it's a you made the best case I think you can, Ashley. Just for me, with how good Adam was, I think the blame for last season I put none basically on Adam's yeah. shoulders. That no might question. just be, I like Adam a lot after all those years. No question. Uh, but I, for Ray J, everything you made is a good case. I just need to see it at big 12 level competition over a full season before I'm willing to put him above Adam. 
who I think is one of probably the seven or eight best Baylor basketball players ever. Yeah, I mean, can can Ray J will you to win against the Texases and the Gonzagas and the and the Kansases of the world? Uh, Adam Flagler did that many times. So yeah, that's that's a a question we don't know. We'll see. Uh, but all right, let's move on to the other guard position. Uh, L.J. Cryer, would you agree with this statement? L.J. Cryer is certainly a better offensive player than Jaden Nunn. Uh, he's one of the most he's, he's one of the best elite shooters in basketball. Uh, he can do you know a lot of things well. He's a great scorer. Not not the worst defender either. I mean, I think he gets a lot of grief for his defense, um, but I I do think he's not as bad as you know people say he is, and and you know probably Kelvin Sampson's going to demand that he be good or he, or he won't play. Um, but I do think that as crazy as the statement is to make, I think Jaden Nunn is a better fit and a, and a better uh, off guard for what Baylor's doing than L.J. Cryer was. And and my main reason I say that is defense. Like, uh, you know, Jaden does a lot of things well. He shoots the three well. He gets to the rim. He, he scores in, in traffic. But his defense is probably the closest thing we've had to Davion uh, you know, since Davion, I mean, he's just he's just a lockdown defender, and he takes so much pride in it. And for that reason alone, I think he's he's an upgrade at that position. Could be. This is one of the other positions where I think there's a little bit of a debate here. LJ, obviously, great offensive player. If you had if one of Baylor's four guards during the championship season had gotten hurt, and it was okay, LJ, now you're going to play, and we still have you know Jared Mace and Adam or Davion Mace and Adam or whatever permutation of it. That's kind of the perfect role for LJ. Right. I score when I need to. You can hide me on defense. That's great. Last year when it was like you got to make some stops, that wasn't really LJ's role at all. Um, still a great offensive player. But, yes, I agree. If Baylor had brought back LJ Cryer and Ray J and said that backcourt's going to defend and Baylor wants to reestablish a defensive culture, I think that would be a pretty tough spot. Right. And, and I mean, you know, the, I think a criticism that is fair to make with LJ is – where was he in crunch time? I mean, when you, when you look at who scored buckets in crunch time, it was Jalen Bridges, it was Keontae George, it was Adam Flagler. You can't really think of many moments um, that LJ came through in the you know when the game was on the line. I mean, he scored a lot of his points early in the game. He had some great first halves. You know, obviously TCU and, and Kansas come to mind. And he did some good things in the second half. I mean, you know, he had a good game against UCLA. But, you know, ultimately, um, you know, is he affecting winning? I mean, you got to say yes to some degree because we won a lot of games with him. But uh, but I do think Jaden Nunn is uh, potentially a, a better fit for what we do because of the reasons you stated, defense. All right, let's move on to our one-and-done guys. Um, I think, you know, fans were, were kind of harsh on Keontae George. I, I think he did really – you know, a great season at Baylor. Obviously an all-conference player, a, a first-round pick. Uh, it was what 15 points a game somewhere in that range I mean he had, had a good season offensively he had some really special moments throughout the year uh, that West Virginia game comes to mind you know on the road he was terrific there but I do think uh, Jacoby Walter gives you a lot of those same characteristics from an offensive standpoint and Jacoby Walter is a much much better defender uh, so for that reason I'm saying Jacoby Walter is a better fit for Baylor and um, a be- and, an, and an upgrade overall from Keontae George just because he's a two-way guy. Agree or disagree? I think Jacoby Walter will have a better season for Baylor and be a better player for Baylor. Uh, I think both. I think Jacoby has a really good shot to be a lottery pick. Kevin O'Connor from Ringer had him at like two or three on his mock, which I think is probably a little aggressive. Um, 
but I think he's definitely a lottery pick. I think he's a better defender. And Keontae, I was in the locker room after the Iowa State game, right. and he was hobbling like crazy. That ankle was bothering him yep. a lot more than I think he wanted to let the public know. And the staff was letting the world know to not make it easier to just target him. But his ankle was killing him. I think that hampered him some. But I do expect a huge year from Jacoby Walter, and so I think that's fair to say. Gun to my head in this sick gun to my head game right now, actually. <laughs> I'm taking Jacoby. But I, I, I love covering Keontae. Yeah. He, his, his give a damn was just so high that that's why I really appreciated him. For all the chemistry people talked about last year, there were there were several, I think. Keontae really, really cared um, and loved playing for Baylor and wanted to win for Baylor. But I think Jacoby's going to be a better player uh, in his one season in Waco. And I think he will definitely be a one and done. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, man, I tell you what, the GAs, I've, t- I've talked to a few GAs, some on the France trip and, and some after the France trip, they just sing his praises. I mean, he, they just say, what a great guy, what a great kid. I mean, and they, and they like Keontae too, but I mean, they're just like, you know, the humility, uh, the concern for other people. They also say the same thing about Jalen Bridges, by the way, which is real encouraging that he just treats everybody the same, just, you know, no ego, uh, definitely, you know, a guy that's, you know, perfect for the culture of joy. All right, so let's talk, uh, you know, Langston Love. He got hurt. He's had some tough luck with injuries. He showed some flashes last year. I mean, it's overall you would expect that a year older version of Langston Love is going to be better than last year. I mean, is that fair to say that we kind of expect? It doesn't always happen. I think Flo Thamba gave us a better year the year before he did than last year. Uh, But um, overall, would you say that – our, our expectation is most of these guys are going to be better this year. Langston Love, Jalen Bridges, Caleb Lohner, Jonathan Chamwachachua, that a year older is usually a beneficial thing for college basketball players. Oh, I think for sure, especially given there was a concern um, by some late in the season you may never see again. And so, uh, we, you know, we never reported that. Uh, but obviously with that concern out there, I think it's good that he'll play. And, yeah, right. I would expect a better year from Langston, especially by about January. Uh, I think it'll be real good. So, yes, I would expect a better year from Langston Ashley. <laughs> awesome. All right, so I, I think there's some debate on, you know, Dell Bonner did some really good things for Baylor, and, you know, he was a, a big reason why we won some games. A great role player. He's on to Ohio State. Um, you know, you got guys like uh, Mira Little and D'Antoine Grimes that might take over his role. And, uh, you know, Miro, um, I, I was – you know, texting with one of our coaches uh, before we started rolling the pod, and they were you know watching Miro's games over in you know in uh, Japan, and you know made the comment that you know especially the last two games he was the the second best player on the Finnish team. You know that uh, Laurie Markinen was obviously the best player, great NBA player, but uh, Miro really looked like the second best player on that team. Uh, so I mean that's super encouraging. You know I think I think he's probably going to be a guy that's in the rotation. Uh, D'Antoine Grimes. Does some really good things. Gritty guy, fast, you know, kind of like Dale, very athletic, uh, but maybe a little bit bigger build to him, stronger, you know, body uh, type. Uh, do you think that that's an upgrade, or do you think that's about even uh, with what we had with Dale Bonner last year? Yeah, I think it's an upgrade. Uh, Dale did some nice things, but, yeah, I'd rather have the potential lottery ticket of Miro Little this season. And, as you mentioned, Grimes' athleticism gives you some potential. If, say, chaos strikes, you feel like you can step in and play high-level basketball. Yep, very good. And, and I think there's probably no argument, uh, reasonable argument that can be made that our front court isn't significantly better than last year. I mean, Josh is a year older. Uh, he's, he's shown some, you know, good flashes, uh, played well against the vets and played well in France uh, before getting injured, but he's, but he's fine. You know, it was just, a, just kind of a tweak uh, type deal. 
And then Eve Missy, of course, we're getting huge accolades from him. Uh, he's a freak. You know, I, I reported that uh, in the vertical jump test, I mean, the vert, max vertical test, he, he went almost 13 feet, which is, if you do the math on that, you know, if he has like a 9-2, 9-3 standing reach, uh, that means that his vertical is like over 43 or over 44. Uh, that's just freakish nature for a guy that's seven foot already. Um, he does, you know, his body control and his athleticism is off the charts, and I think he's a lot better than anybody expected. Uh, so I think he's going to really surprise people and, and maybe maybe our best big by the end of the season. Uh, Jonathan, you know, the one encouraging thing I saw from Jonathan in France, uh, you know, you, you know what, what he brings. I mean, incredible attitude, work ethic, relentless, you know, type of type of player. Uh, but there was one play in particular where he got caught on the guard up up at the top of the key. And, you know, through multiple counters the guard made and trying to get to the rim, uh, Jonathan stuck with him and, you know, played defense with his chest. You know, the guard kind of bumped him and, and ended up taking a, a terrible fadeaway shot. And I remember Tweety Carter and Ty Beard turning around to me and just like uh, both just like shaking their head and saying that's encouraging, super encouraging. You know, so I think I think there's that, you know, Jonathan should be a better version of himself and, and be more like he was uh, before the injury. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to still be, you know, more savvy with him than, than just raw athleticism that he had before the injury. But, uh, you know, I, I think our front court, we, you can't really make a, a good argument that our front court isn't going to be better than it was last year. Would you agree? No debate there. Uh, Eve Missy, great player. I talked to John for half an hour on Friday. Oh, good. He seemed real optimistic. Uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good season. I think he's going to really, really focus on the defensive end this year and enjoy his last year. But yeah, clearly he's going to be better than he was coming back from his injury. No question there. Eve Missy is just going to be more talented than Flo Thamba was as a fifth year senior by a ton. Josh will improve. And then Jalen Bridge is a year older. And I don't think he'll have those butterflies because he was not very good in November and most of December. Had a great end to the season last year. But I think the consistency from Jalen will be there. Right. He won a Baylor's leading scorer. So yeah, unquestionable to me that Baylor is better at the five and the four this year compared to last year, monumentally better than right. they were at those two positions. Who do you think are the two most important players? I, I have my, I have my, um, my loaded question. <laughs> I have my answer that I think are the two most important players to not get injured. Who, who would you think those two are? I think there are three, to me, there are three guys you can make a case on this. I think Jalen Bridges is number one. Yep. Uh, Cause I think, you're then asking John to either play a lot at the four, which could happen, and I talked with him a little bit about that. And with Eve's talent, I think that's possible. But that's just something you get a little bit nervous about. Or Caleb now has to play 30 minutes, which you know does some nice things in practice. Played well against Creighton. Uh, played well against UCSB. But uh, that just gets you a little nervous. So I think Jalen would be number one. And I probably still would put Ray J. Dennis, too, just because I think knowing you have a MAC player of the year, a point guard who was as dominant as you mentioned with that 14-1 to assist to turnover and the vet games, Ashley, that's real valuable. You can, I think the other guy you can make the case for is Jacoby Walter, just because he's a guaranteed bucket. But those would be the three I think you make the case for. But I think clearly for me it's one, Jalen, two, Ray J, three, Jacoby. But what would your list be, Ashley? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm glad you said that too, because as good as Eve is, as good as Jacoby is, I think the two most important players on the roster are, from an injury standpoint, are going to be Ray J. Uh, now Miro, I mean, maybe Miro surprises us and he's ready for prime time at the point guard position. It's certainly encouraging, you know, especially his last game. You know, I, I, I watched the game today, actually. You know, he has nine assists and zero turnovers. Um, I think that's right. And, and you know, that was like pretty 
awesome. Like, cause I mean, you know, he's, they're playing Venezuela, not not one of the best FIBA teams, but I mean, these guys aren't spares. I mean, these, these are pro players. They're playing. Uh, that are physical men, and you know they're they're playing hard. You know they they don't they want to represent you know themselves and their country. So uh, you know for for uh, Miro to do that, it was was pretty impressive to me, and it made it made me think. You know, this guy is certainly going to be a rotation player, and and I would not have any problem you know with him you know on the floor in crunch time uh, for Baylor. Uh, and, and then, you know, I think uh, so. So I but I'm saying all that to say, you know, Ray J, I, I do think is the most important guy to not get injured. And Jalen, probably number two, uh, just because of his ability to uh, stretch the floor from the four. But also, I mean, he is a lot stronger than people realize. Uh, you know, there was there was a couple times in France uh, where, you know, these French guys are older and strong and, and they're trying to just bully our guys, you know, whether it was uh, Jacoby or Eve or. Um, you know, whoever they had on them, they were just trying to bully them to the rim and they, they just really couldn't move, uh, Jalen. I mean, Jalen is, is much stronger, uh, than people realize. So I, so I do think, you know, just from a physicality standpoint, being able to stand up and, and really help us defensively, really good defender, good rebounder, really efficient player. I do think that, uh, the two guys that are the most important are, are those two that you mentioned, but you can certainly make an argument for Jacoby and Eve and, and by the end of the season, that the statement I just made might might look foolish because they may have just spectacular seasons and and be top ten picks. You know, we'll see. But uh, I, I I do think uh, we got a lot to look forward to, and and I think that um, you know this team is is one that is capable of winning the Big Twelve and capable of winning a national championship. And uh, for the reasons I I said earlier, I I think we're better at every position, and we're talking about a team last year that was a three seed, and I'm going to go on record saying we're going to be a top twenty defensive team. I I would be shocked if we're not. I like the hot take from you, Angie. Good potential. I will say Baylor will finish top two in the Big 12 and that Baylor will be in at least the lead eight this year. Yeah, that would be a successful season. I know, I know our yes, program has is, is got higher standards, but uh, certainly you would take that from the outset, um, you know, sight unseen. Well, it, it's been good to catch up with you, Kendall. Any parting thoughts before we uh, – put a cap on this and, and look forward to that uh, big football game against Utah on Saturday. Um, you know, hopefully things go well against Utah. Um, I think the biggest disaster, honestly, for the just fan base will be the civil war that happens if say Baylor covers the spread, but loses is we'll have the whole, what's that mean for everybody? I don't know what anything means for anybody. So who knows? Uh, but hopefully they can get the W on Saturday. You know, the great thing about 11 AM games, actually, because I know we like to say the great thing about Great thing about 11 a.m. games is if it doesn't go well, you still got the rest of the day to have a good day. <laughs> or be miserable, one of the two. That's the bad thing. You can look at it either way. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, come join us. We, we have a good tailgate at Brazos Parking. We're going to have breakfast tacos. Uh, we've got Three Nations beer. We've got uh, some spirits from Wine Guy on our board. Uh, bear Fight Whiskey. Have you ever tried this Bear Fight Whiskey, Kendall? You know, I have not. Is that pretty good, actually? It is good. Yeah, I like it. It's it's a It's a good brand. I'm 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 much I'm cutting down my alcohol uh, use uh, tremendously and feel better for it. But uh, occasionally I will partake in a uh, bear fight whiskey and and I I may mix it with some orange juice or something on uh, Saturday. And then uh, if we win, who knows, man? Maybe maybe a celebratory drink afterwards. Seems very reasonable. Uh, and I've been cutting <laughs> down a lot on alcohol too. So uh, new year, new us, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and I do want to mention too. Um, you know, I've said this on. Uh, premium site but uh 
you know, Baylor's got two really good scrimmages. Uh, so we'll know like how good this team is when we get feedback from the scrimmages with Gonzaga and the scrimmage with Texas A&M. Uh, both those teams are expected to be top 20 teams. I think A&M maybe even be one of the favorites to win the, the uh, SEC this year. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how good this Baylor team is uh, once they scrimmage those teams. But I think we have a pretty good idea just because of the scrimmages against our vets and uh, like we mentioned before, I mean, these are guys that hadn't been practicing together, but uh, those those guys scored a lot of points in Baylor uniforms and, and won a lot of games, including national championship for Davion and and um, for uh, Jared Butler. Uh, so uh, it's pretty impressive that uh, our our team was able to compete with them toe to toe and and you know do some good things against them. Absolutely, you love to hear it. Yep. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Kout, Sikkim Bears. Heck yeah.